Yankees win. The Yankees win. Welcome to NY Fly Zone, a first-class podcast. It is time to feed the fleet. Thank you, Voice of Reason. Welcome to episode two. I'm Brendan. I'm Jared. And we got a lot of recent sports news to cover and to get into. Today, we're talking the Giants' victory over the Seahawks. Yes, sir. Continued Jets drama and the Eagles' quarterback situation. And I just want to—we just want to thank you for all those who listened to last week. Let's continue the grind together. Let's get into it. Yes, sir. Keep sharing. You know, always follow us on the socials. And let's get into it, as Brendan said. So to start off, um, we're going to be talking about the New York Giants. Obviously, I'm going to come out right now and say that I was wrong. I predicted that the Giants would go out there and lay a stinker uh, going into, you know, Seattle to play. Well, they don't have the 12th man and they have them in spirit. Um, I thought that the Giants would not be able to get a victory, you know, traveling to the West Coast, playing in Seattle, uh, especially against that defense that came off, a, was coming off a six-sack game. You know, Jamal Adams played very well that game. He was running around hit-sticking people, uh, you know, taking off people's heads. For the Giants not to have Daniel Jones, I felt like that was going to be a key reason to their loss. However, they played fine. I mean, you know, they yeah. seemed relaxed. Um, Jared, what do you, you think? Know, um, McCoy was 13-22 for 105 yards, not, you know, the best numbers. But would Daniel Jones do much better? Maybe like more, 100 more yards. But it was really Wayne Gallman who carried the squad, rushed for 135 yards on 16 carries. And the defense was really, at the end of the day, stood up to the Seahawks. Yeah, the defense was a, uh, was a huge attribute towards uh, success on Sunday. Um, Leonard Williams, former Jet, New York Jets and Jets fans know him pretty well. He totaled up, uh, totaled up two and a half sacks for that defense. He was, you know, a huge disruption up the middle. Yeah, and, pressure. and total Wilson was sacked five times. So the offensive line for the Seahawks wasn't really that strong, and the Giants made them pay. And Williams has been balling this season, totaling up a career-high eight-and-a-half sacks. So he's definitely going to be wanting that contract extension. And he's been playing like as if he earned it. Um, uh, it seems like Patrick Graham has been using Big Cat correctly in his defensive system. And uh, as I said before, Giants' defensive line was a significant part to their victory. Uh, they applied pressure up the middle, causing Russell Wilson to look like a deer in headlights. It's interesting because New York has won five of their last seven games, and they're on a four-game win streak. Yeah, I haven't been this excited to be a Giants fan since 2016, you know, pre when we had Odell still in the squad. But, you know, this Giants team, the team that was supposed to stink without Saquon Barkley, handed Seattle's first home loss of the season. And I know coronavirus pandemic doesn't really a home field advantage anymore, but there's still something about the familiarity of playing on your own field. And the Giants took it to them and shut them out. So the Giants handed the Seahawks their first home loss of the season, which was very interesting to see. And this was the first time since December 29th of last year, of 2019, that the Seahawks lost at home when they hosted the 49ers. So I think that this is a huge step in the right direction for the New York Giants uh, organization. There's a lot to be excited to, uh, to look forward to here. Um, I think yeah. the, the key to success here, as I said before, was obviously the defense. And you mentioned before, if uh, Daniel Jones was under center, he would probably, you know, get around 100 more yards per se. I, I would like to agree with that. I think that this would be a much more, uh, a less entertaining game if Daniel Jones was under center. Um, the amount of opportunities 
that the Giants defense gave their quarterback in that game was absurd. You know, like it's very often you see you see Russell Wilson, you know, panic, uh, not know how to operate his own field. Um, It's got a lot of people head scratching about the Seahawks. Um, I know one of my friends who hosts the show, um, he's a diehard Seahawks fan. And I was texting him during the game and he was he was saying how the Seahawks have just been playing. They've been haven't been performing up to their expectations. Um, So I think this is a huge step for the Giants. Um, and it's interesting to see how they're going to approach going forward. They are currently leading the division, um, even though the Washington football team just won uh, last night. Still doesn't matter. Giants have two wins over them. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Giants play out. They kind of have a little bit of a hard schedule, but you know, I think that this is a great momentum swift going forward. A lot of momentum in this locker room. And uh, you know, they're playing lights out right now. Yeah, speaking of the locker room, Joe Judge has really – done a culture shift in the locker room that has seen the likes of Pat Shermer and Ben McAdoo lead the, at the helm. Uh, Jabril, Prep, Jabril Peppers told media the team has a different swagger about them, different juice. And I've noticed that watching them live on TV. Before, like in the early of the season, I, you know, I would admit it, I would skip the game if I had to. But now there's competitive football on the field and a team like Seattle, seeing them go down, was really impressive to me. Peppers was doing really good um, for the Giants this season from the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. He broke up a touchdown, a potential touchdown pass to Jacob Hollister in the first half, and that only let Seattle kick a field goal by Maris alumni Jason Myers. And that's why in the first half it was a five nothing game because of the Giants defense. When Wilson, when Russell Wilson scrambles for the football. I usually get scared, but this time I was actually pretty content. Well, our cornerbacks held the Seahawks receivers, and DK Metcalf only was only had five completions with 80 yards. So defense clutched up. Yeah, and Darnay Holmes, he uh, received his first NFL interception. He uh, picked off Russell Wilson from a tip pass in the fourth quarter, and he was a fourth-round draft pick from UCLA. So it's nice to see these young uh prospects that were drafted by Gettleman it's nice to see them produce and come together um very very nicely done very nicely executed a lot of like no name prior to the season's players have been clutched for the Giants Nico Lalos came big for the defense again he had the pick against the Bengals uh, the previous week and then the fumble recovery against the Seahawks and I want to talk about James Bradbury like where did this guy come from he was on the Panthers for the last four seasons he might be known for getting stiff-armed by DK Metcalf. We saw that video I put up on our Instagram story. But other than that, he's been pretty, pretty playing pretty well this season, I must say. And I got some uh, breaking news right now. Um, seems like it's not necessarily breaking news, but this is just kind of what's going on in the New York area within the past 24 hours. Uh, it looks like the Giants are optimistic about Daniel Jones potentially starting against the Cardinals this week. Um, so it seems as if they're trying to give him quote unquote every opportunity to allow him to do so so I think that would be very good for the Giants going forward Colt McCoy hats off to you you went out and got a really tough victory he seemed like he was very familiar with the offense he made a lot of nice passes um you know it didn't really seem like Jones was absent I mean obviously the Giants missed Daniel Jones's mobility in the pocket um that could have helped the you know the 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 uh, team to perform a little bit better pick up a couple yards but and uh, that fluidity that Daniel Jones has on field, that dual threat, um, the ability to drop back and, you know, send a nice bomb over, you know, into the end zone or, you know, just to scramble around or just to run. 
uh, you know, because you can't sleep on Daniel Jones's wheels as well. So uh, I think he brings a nice, um, you know, uh, version and uh, element to the game. And it would be interesting to see him come back against the Cardinals. Yeah, no, I would love for Daniel Jones to come back against the Cardinals. A little scary uh, because I want him to be healthy going forward. But if the Giants want to win this vision, they have to beat the Cardinals. They have a tough schedule. Cardinals, Browns, Ravens. I know they're going to make it competitive no matter what because that's what this squad has proven to me this season. But the Cardinals have been sliding the last couple of weeks. A loss to the Rams, 38-28. Then they lost to the Patriots. Lost to the Seahawks, who the Giants beat. And then they beat the Bills, but that was from that Hail Mary catch. So the Cardinals, even though they had have Kyler Murray, D. Hopkins, we could put Bradbury on Hopkins, Leonard Williams, Zach Murray a couple times, just limit the run. And I think it's pretty pretty good that the Giants have to play the Cardinals and the Ravens within the same like couple weeks. Very similar run style and like deep passing like games they're going to have to play against. So the defense will have a chance to look at Kyler Murray. And then the more, probably like the more like winner take all like the division game against the Ravens later on in the season is going to be interesting to see how they adjust from the Kyler Murray game to the Lamar Jackson game. Interesting points. Uh, that's going to be three games that are very uh, run style quarterbacks, run option quarterbacks. When in a row you got, um, you got you know you look at the likes of Russell Wilson, then you look at the likes of. Um, you know, obviously, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, and then you got Baker Mark Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. These are all mobile quarterbacks, and it's um, it's you know, Baker Mayfield's been balling lights out, but that's a whole different category. Or, you know, obviously threw four touchdowns uh, in the first half against the Titans. But however, um, I think that the locker room is very excited here in New York. They got a lot of faith in um in Graham. They got a lot of faith in uh, Joe Judge, and that's what you want to see. You want to see these players want to go out and ball for their coaches. Um, seems like all around in the New York area, people love the addition of Joe Judge. He's done a great job so far. He's winning these football games. The Giants are 4-0 in the past uh, four weeks on a four-win streak. That's a month of football. That's a month of undefeated football there. So um, a lot to be excited for as a Giants fan. Um, as playing the Arizona Cardinals, uh, I think it's going to be a, t- a little bit of a tough game. You know, Cardinals, are, they're hungry for, an, for a dub. Um, they are hungry, yeah. Obviously, losing to uh, the Rams by 10 points, uh, that's, that's not what uh, Cliff Kingsbury wants uh, as a head coach. And they got a lot of talent. So there's a lot to watch out for. But if this defensive system continues to cause pressure and, you know, burst the pipes up front and, you know, disrupt the, the man under center, this is, this is traditional Giants football here, what they're playing. Back in the days of Michael Strahan, you Michael know. Michael Strahan, um, then moving on is, to Justin Tuck and JPP. Exactly. It's, it's reminding me of the old days, you know, when the Jets were still figuring out quarterback situations. And the Giants oh, wait, were, that's the Jets right now. No, it still is. The, it still is the Jets right now. But that's the olden days when the Giants, you know, they got Manning. Their defense is, you know, lights out and uh, they're preparing to, you know, play in the playoffs. So, you know, it's a nice direction change going on. Um, and I think that the Giants, you know, are going to have to hang in there and game plan. But it's going to be nice to have a, you know, a game hosted in MetLife. Exactly. The Cardinals, as you said, are hungry for a win. They had high hopes, high expectations from people around the league to do well, especially. And the Giants, even though they proved against the Seahawks to me that they're a good team, if they beat the Cardinals, I'll be even more confident in the squad. Yeah, this um, this game really was a way for to just say to the league, watch out. 
you know, we got a bright future. It was their audition. They had the stage, they had the opportunity and they took advantage of it. And um, watching this team play, it really seemed like it was a team win. It wasn't, you know, like the refs handing it to them. It wasn't a last minute Hail Mary prayer, like prayer, just throwing up a prayer. No, they, they hung in there the whole game. They had mm-hmm. complete confidence in the game plan. And it says something to me. It genuinely says something to me. If you're having Colt McCoy and he's winning these games, especially against a team that we thought, you know, are potential Super Bowl contenders. But yeah. the Seahawks, you know, I don't know what's going on um, with, with the Seahawks right now. I, like, it's I mean, only- their, their defense led up 135 rush yards to Wayne Gallman. And, you know, my boy hit me up during the game. He, I don't know if he was wilding or not, but he said the Giants should – look into trading Barkley and keeping Galman, which I don't think is the right way to go. But Galman is proven to be a fine running back in the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, would you, you would you entertain that? I mean, you can get a lot of draft equity. Well, he was uh, telling me about, like, how it would be like an Odell Beckham Jr. type trade, a trade that we didn't want to happen as fans, but brought in, like, a, like a good player in Jabelle Preppers now and a potential draft picks. And – Barkley, he's regarded as one of the best running backs in the league, even though besides his rookie season, he hasn't really proven that per se. He could be a little overrated. But I feel like this cold, we still need to see him under Joe Judge. He hasn't really had enough time to go into this system. And the RPO offense that Jones has been running will be dangerous with Saquon Barkley. They could both run. They don't know which one to cover. They don't know if it's to cover Evan Ingram, who could run a slant, take it to the touchdown, or Swilling Shepard, who could take a slant for a touchdown. And I must say, Golden Tate is an excellent – if you need a first down, you have to throw the Golden Tate. He will gain yards after contact for sure. But yeah, going so back to the Barkley, I still want him on the squad next season. I mean, interesting interesting viewpoint by your friend. I mean, that's obviously indicating that he's open to, you know, options. And, you know, with Gettleman, there's no surprise here with him. Um, yeah, and my know, friend is a Giants fan, so it is surprising. Like, at first I was like, oh, but then I was like, you know what? I see your argument, especially with OBJ, but I want to keep him. I mean, here's the thing about me and uh, Saquon. I'm not trying to get too, like, off topic here, but, you know, it's still the New York Giants football team. Um, I think that Saquon Barkley is a brand of New York, especially for the New York Giants. I think you guys picked True. him to preserve your future and to take that stress off of, uh, you know, your quarterback's shoulders. It's unfortunate that uh, Saquon had to go down an injury. I feel like you know injuries have been a comp- have been comp- compromising his his ability to play. Um, but let's hope that he rests up, he gets better. I mean, he's a generational talent. If you look at the what he can do, uh, his ability to run, especially break tackles, um, you know he's he's a defensive coordinator's nightmare. And he allowed he basically just him being active um, just makes defensive coordinators think differently. You know you gotta pressure up front you got to stack the box in order to play him you know and that leaves golden tate or um or that leaves other receivers shepherd ingram, ingram shepherd all, play, all all just doing go routes slants you know there's different it helps joe judge so much more having him on the field but it's interesting seeing him produce with other people um i wouldn't be surprised if uh gentlemen if this has crossed his mind i wouldn't be surprised if there's ever a point where uh you know gms are calling gentlemen making trades I mean, it's new york this happens all the time interesting point by your friend but we'll see how things happen i think but i personally think that uh barkley you know is the brand of the giants and it'd be a mistake to give him one i agree so the giants beat the seahawks and 
the Washington football team beat the Steelers. Now, I want to know what you think. Which one was more impressive? Was the Giants win or the football team's win? I'm going to be honest with you. That's, that's probably the hardest question you could ask me right now. Like that, that's a really tough question. Um, I mean, the football team was highly impressive, but let's be honest, like how good are the Steelers? Like, yes, they are phenomenal. Yes, they are 11 and 0, but or 11 and one now, yeah, 11 but, one now. but if you look at their schedule, it's kind of a cakewalk. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Like the teams that they've played hasn't really been that challenging. I mean, like, seriously, like I can back that up. I can look at it, but it's nothing that the Jets have played. It's nothing that the Giants have played. You know, their, their schedule really wasn't hard. Yes, is it impressive to go out and have an undefeated season? Of course. Of course. Yes, is it impressive to have Big Ben come back from a, you know, potential career-ending injury at his age? Of course. Um, and ball out? Of course. Of course. But, you know, to have this Giants team, you know, not have Daniel Jones going into the 12th man, like playing in front of the 12th man. I mean, there's no 12th man, but it's still, the sound is the same. I'm sure they're cranking out the full max volume, but playing against Pete Carroll and that culture, just flying across the country, you know, like you don't have Saquon, you don't have Daniel Jones. Like I personally think that that is more impressive because that's their fourth one in a row. Like, I mean, we knew that the football team was good. If you watch football, you know that the football team is a good. That defense good, is a monster. That, that Chase Young hasn't even sprouted out yet as a star player from the defense, yeah. and they're still running, chasing down guys. So Washington is playing like a top ten defense in this league, and Montez Sweat is is balling out of his mind too. I mean, like I I just think that I I thought that Washington was going to win that game. I I did not think that the Giants would beat the Seahawks. What about you, Jerry? What do you think? Now, that's a fair point. The Steelers, as we went over, easy schedule. I think this is a more impressive one for the Giants, seeing how Russell Wilson was an MVP candidate earlier in the season. And the Giants, you're right, didn't have their two main offensive weapons in Daniel Jones and Barkley. The football team still has the same record as the Giants. The Giants still hold first place, though. And I'll be more confident as a Giants fan to win the division than less. We did a poll on our Instagram story and more viewers thought the Giants had a greater than 50% chance to make the playoffs, which means that the football team would be left out. And what, but we have to see, you know, football could go either way as we've seen with the football team and Giants emerging in this really close playoff race that makes the NFC East a little interesting, at least seeing how their records are, don't reflect that. But the Giants have potential to finish nine and seven well, I think that will happen. No, I'm looking at more of an eight, 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 eight and eight, seven and nine situation. But as long as they stay tied with the football team, they'll make it into the playoffs. And really quickly, just to conclude this section, I just want to say a couple of things. And that was very nicely said, Jared. Um, I, I predicted before in my previous, on the previous show that a seven and team is going to win this division. Um, I just, you know, I don't necessarily see the Giants winning out. Um, I definitely do see a lot of momentum going forward with that franchise. Um, but like I said, a couple really hard games. They're always in this, you know, they're fighting. They're always in every game. But, you know, they're probably going to lose one or two. And then, you know, they're probably going to split the season, uh, you know, with the remaining games, in my opinion, win two, lose two. Uh, that would put them at seven and nine, which I think will win this uh, division. Um, also, the leeway on the, on the Washington football team of the two victories against them is going to be a huge boost in helping them get into the postseason. Uh, that's why I believe that the Giants are going to be uh, divisional favorites uh, for the NFC East. However, um, I just want to back up my statement talking for all you Steelers fans listening, thinking that, you know, I'm some Steeler hater. I mean, I'm not. You guys are a great team. Um, I just think that your schedule is easy. And let's take a look at it really quick. You know, you put the Giants, 
uh, beat them by 10 points very well done by them. Then you play the Broncos, the Texans, which, you know, Bill O'Brien obviously got fired for a reason. He doesn't know exactly what he's doing. Um, these trades have been abysmal. He basically just said, okay, Deshaun Watson, you do, you, you just be you. And I'm going to trade away all your best players. Um, and then, you know, you got the Eagles that are crumbling, um, obviously. And then you got the Browns. You guys smoked them. Um, Titans that haven't been the same since last year. Uh, Ravens. I mean, a lot of Steelers fans called Ravens like frauds. Um, but, you know, that's for conversation another time. And then you got the Cowboys, the Bengals, the Jaguars. Like, if you look at these teams, like, you, you should be beating them, you know, especially with the roster that you have in your team. Um, so Yeah, the most impressive out. wins by the Steelers are probably the Browns, but they didn't have Nick Chubb with them that game and the Ravens, and that was because of the refs. So it's not that it's not that impressive to our fans. I wouldn't be confident getting beating the Chiefs or beating the the Bills even. Yeah, they play the Bills next week, and good luck. That team is playing yeah. like they want it all. And um, and also, when you guys played on Thanksgiving, when the, when the Steelers played on Thanksgiving, well, not on Thanksgiving due to COVID. Thanks for COVID. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, there was no Lamar Jackson. There were Lamar Jacksonless. Um, they're playing with RG3, and that was a close football game. So, you know, I don't know. That's just something that I wanted to touch into real quick, uh, yeah. something I wanted to say. But, um, but yeah, so I think that covers the Giants. the Giants. Do you want to let's get into uh, the, the Jets' tank? The, the tank lives on. Let's hear the, uh, let's hear the audio of uh, last Sunday's game. All right, cue that. Jets coming. Carr puts some air under it. All right, so the Jets miraculously lose against the Raiders on Sunday. Jared. <laughs> the <I'll> la- t- <laughs> that I was, last play, bro. I, I will tell you this much. I was, I was saying my prayers to the gods, the tank gods above, for us to lose this game because a win is meaningless. Why should we win? Yes, it may be good for the players in the locker room. Yes, it may be good for, you know, the culture. Just set a president going forward, of course. But you're telling me, Adam Gase, that you want to, you know, lose 11 games, some in which you could have won if you just learned how to play offense, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. that you didn't, if you just weren't incapable of m- making plays and if you didn't have to hand it over to Dow Loggins to, you know, do plays aside from third downs. And now you want to win a game 12 games into the season. Because you're now, now is the time. What about on Monday Night Football? What about all those other times? It's, it's just, it makes me want to scratch my head. At this point, you could just crumple up the Jets' season and just throw it into the garbage can because it's, there's no point in winning, you know? I mean, you got a player in Trevor Lawrence that, you know, we talked about in the past show. And if you want to hear me get more in depth on it, tune into that show. Uh, but as I said, he is the best court uh, prospect coming out of college since John Elway. And, um, and, and you're going to try to win this game because why? A win for Adam Gase? A win for Sam Darnold? Someone who's not going to be on our team? A player who, you know, I, I love Sam Darnold, but we just need to look at the stats and the facts here. And he just threw his first touchdown since week three. And Joe Flacco has better stats in the season than Sam Darnold. And I, I do love Sam Darnold. And I wish him the best. And I think that he's a trooper. And I'm not saying that his career here in, in the National Football League is over. It's not. It's far from it. But it's just over here in New York. And I was jumping for joy after that, you know, 
play call by Greg Williams. Jared, what's your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, uh, during the that last uh, couple plays, Brennan was texting me some expletives that uh, cannot stand the podcast. But, you know, it is a very, like, soul-controversial, like, feeling if you want your team to win or to lose in the situation. Now, obviously, Brennan has made it clear that he wants the Jets to lose out. The Jaguars have only won one game, so that would be really close to get the first pick. And honestly, from that last play, so let's, let's – let me tell you what happened in the last play. What do you want all to right. tell them? Uh, I'll, I'll do it. Is that cool? Yeah. So, all right, so it was a cover zero play call by Williams, all right? So, obviously, there's five seconds left on the clock. All the Jets have to do is play, prevent defense, and then win the game. And Greg Williams decides to send seven up the middle, causing Derek Carr to step up. And, and Henry Ruggs, who ran a 4-2-2 combine 40-yard uh, dash, is guarding undrafted free agent Lamar Jackson. And Henry Ruggs man-to-man coverage. Henry Ruggs leaves him burnt and gets the game-winning touchdown as the clock expires. Um, I personally was tipping my glass to, um, to Greg Williams. Uh, I thought that, that I think he's a legend for life in New York. There is no re- if you're gonna go out, you gotta go on in a bang. And obviously, he did his part. Obviously, Greg like salute to your service, Greg Williams. Um, you'll never have to pay for a drink in New York again. Um, if he's gonna be fired, like he would have been fired, Gase would have been fired at the end of the season. He went out in a bang. And um, Jared, your thoughts? That last play honestly looked like the Jets were trying to throw the game. I'm not trying to be very conspiracy about this or be like, oh, they rigged the game. But how do you not put more people back there? Like ESPN stats and information data says that from 2006, it was the first time a team sent six or more rushers in the final 15 seconds of regulation when leading by four to eight points and being more than 40 yards from the end zone. They knew they were going to go for the end zone. There was no other option. The clock time on the clock was in single digits. I just don't get it. The Raiders had to get a touchdown. Yeah, Derek Carr even thanked him too. You want to talk about that as well? Yeah, Carr said, I couldn't believe they all outblitzed us. As soon as I saw it, I was thankful. And I would be too if I was the Raiders. Their playoff hopes stay alive thanks to the Jets. But I feel like the Jets gave it to them single-handedly. Yeah, and I think that this play, for all you Jets fans out there, you know, some of you, I'd say maybe about 75%, because, like, I, I'm very close with the Jets community. Like, I talk to a lot of Jets fans from my home area. I talk to a lot of other Jets fans that are in media, in the media industry, uh, doing things just like myself with the podcast and et cetera. So, you know, I, I like to talk to a lot of Jets fans. I like to get their opinions and view set and viewpoints here. And I personally believe that, you know, 75%, I say 75% is pro tank. 25% just wants to see a win. I'm one of the population of 75%. Now, this game, I think that this game shows where the actual personnel and staff and coaching stand with that decision, tank or not. And I think that Greg Williams, I mean, some people say that, oh, he's this big ego guy. He was like that with Cleveland. He wanted to take over as a head coach in Cleveland. Um, You know, he's this big ego guy that wants to shove, you know, the football down John Gruden's throat. Like, wants to send a full out blitz instead of, you know, and surprise him, you know, is that a possibility? Of course, but you know, you need to understand here that the jets are winless, you know, obviously after this game, Gase wants to win at all costs. I mean, Christopher Johnson probably wants to win as well. 
um, you know, just like as he had defend, defended, um, you know, Adam Gase and couldn't admit his faults at that point. I'm sure he wants to defend, you know, his franchise and at least win a football game. I'm not sure. But I just think that, as you said, it was the first time in years that anyone did this. Um, and I think that what was going on in Greg Williams' mind was, is, look, I'm not going to be here next year. You know, Adam Gase isn't going to be here next year. Sam Darnold's not going to be here next year. And there's a 50-50 chance with this play call. It's do we bring Carr down or do we get burnt? Obviously, it ended up in a Jets loss. And I think he knew how that would satisfy a majority of Jets fans. And he was willing to take that risk because there's always that, you know, happiness that result in that ending. Now, if I'm the Jets, why even fire Greg Williams at this point? Um, If you're the New York Jets, all right. Wonderful question, Jared. And this actually brings up my next point that I wanted to talk about. So, yes, I was ecstatic that the Jets threw that game away. I, I was about to go cry in the shower and put on Justin Field highlights. That's what I was about to go do. Um, you know, like you can't, like I had people chirping me. I had people hitting me up and they were like, oh, the Jets are so bad. They can't even lose. They can't even have a, can't even like lose all 16 games. That's how bad they are. And, you know, before you know it, like Greg Williams just like does his magic, you know, but why fire Greg Williams? Now, the problem that I had with that play call, there's only one problem that I have with that play call. The rest is just uh, legendary. The problem that I have with that play call is the effect that it has on our youth, on, on, on the trust within, you know, the young Not the players. kids, not the children. No, the young players that have a relationship with this Jets franchise, this organization. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I worried for. I, sympath- I sympathize with them because – you saw the excitement that these players had if you watched the game. You know, they were all celebrating on the end. They were hyped. They were, were hyped, going to get their first win. I had several people hitting me up, oh, we're going to get their first win. And then to do that, it was – I think that, you know, them firing Greg Williams is what clears the conspiracy – or not the conspiracy, it clears the controversy in New York and it allows the players to move on. If he was going to be fired at the end of the season, might as well do it now. Might as well do it now. Also, without Greg Williams calling the plays on defense – how do you think we're going to perform in the next four games? I mean, even worse. Exactly. He was the best. He was the best coach. He had the most respect in the Jets locker room. You know, I mean, Greg Williams is an accomplished coach in this position. He, uh, at his position, he, you know, he has a Super Bowl ring with the Saints uh, when he, when they came victorious against, you know, the, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, he's a great defensive coordinator. And, you know, I know Quinn and Williams tw- came out and tweeted after on Monday, you know, when the Jets fired, uh, and then when they fired Greg Williams and Quentin Williams just he tweeted, uh, shake my head to the news and he instantly took it down. So I think that this defensive line, you know, that obviously was in the trenches, like working for this, you know, defensive like coach felt like they missed him. And then maybe the secondary uh, was a little questionable. And Marcus May, Marcus May uh, actually had some words to say. He was the cornerback, right? Uh, no, he's the safety. 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 He's the, he's the free safety from the New York Jets. Um, he said that um, – so they asked him, and, that, and he called out Greg Williams. He said, there has to be a better play call. And Williams said that – I'm sorry, May said that Greg Williams has to help him out. Now, it was honestly insane to watch a, a player call out your coach like that, but it was understanding. Um, and, Jared, what's your thoughts about that? They had, I think they had to do it. Like, if I'm – a fan, and I'm the portion of fans that wanted the Jets to win. There's no excuse for that play call. 
if, even if I'm a fan of the Jets for tanking, you have to realize there's no excuse for that play call. Now, I don't think Greg Williams is a bad coach per se, but this was the defining moment for this Jets team. It was Mark Sanchez's butt fumble. And now this will be the play that we'll remember from this hopefully 0-16 Jets squad. Rex Ryan on ESPN called the dumbest call ever, and he knows the Jets very well. <laughs> and the only positive thing from this game was Sam Darnold's stock going up a little bit, I must say. They, he put them in a position to win the game, in a game they should have won. But overall, from your rant, from the media, everyone can agree that the Jets messed up badly on this one. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that to be honest. I mean, I, I personally think that that was the right thing to do. I genuinely believe that, and I think a lot of Jets fans think that as well. Um, like I said, there's absolutely no reason to win a football game um, when you have the gen- most generational quarterback to come out and to play that can virtually change your whole culture can decide can be the deciding factor of your head coach candidates um, can decide your free agents that may want to come I mean look at what happened to Kyler Murray he gets drafted Cliff Kingsbury comes they scrap uh, Russell uh, Josh Rosen get a second round pick then all of a sudden you know nuke DeAndre Hopkins wants to come out and ball from them there's no purpose to win this game I mean and yes I sympathize for the young players like I said but they got what they they got they got their answer. They got what they deserved. This was a player's decision um, by the New York Jets. But I do want to say that Adam Gase came out and said that he was the reason behind the firing. He was the one that pulled the trigger, and that scares well, the of, shit out of, of me. Of course Gase said that. That scared me. He that wants scared. to take credit because that's a, it looks good <laughs> to the media. That's just, that, that just scares the hell out of me. I mean, like, just the idea that this man still has power. Um, oh, <laughs> I believe that Greg Williams was the scapegoat the scapegoat, therefore, meaning that he wasn't the reason to any of these problems at all. Our defense hung in there. Our defense, you know, obviously we weren't producing as much sacks, but, you know, in the secondary, we were playing well. You know, he, we lose Jamal Adams. All right, let's take Jashin Davis and let's, let's, let's plug him in. Let's plug him in place. You know, like his, he will take what he can have and perform exceptionally. And, um, and I'm going to miss Greg Williams. I'm going to miss his energy. Like I said, he was the, mo- the Jets lost, their most respected coach. Um, but you know, it was uh, it was it was the right move after that play call. But I think that might have been the right play call at the time, as crazy as it may sound. And my response to Rex Ryan, I mean, you're trying to bash the New York Jets. That's because you're trying to get the dirt off your name from you know the butt fumble. You're trying to just stop. He wants to. Butt no, the butt fumble will forever be more impactful, I believe. That's what I think. Um, yeah, I had one of my friends hit me up, and she was confused on why the Jets would fire him at this point. And that she even said, like, are they going to pay him for his side? Because I on the side, because I explained how he was doing his part in helping them lose. And, you know, Greg Williams did do them a favor. I agree. But it's unfortunate that he had to be fired for it. But here we are now. Greg Williams, you're a legend in New York. You went out with a bang. Uh, that was a player's win, but a Greg Williams loss. Um but Adam Gase is still the head coach. So that just makes my head shake. But you know what? I'm sure that my belief behind that, Jets fans, don't worry. He will be fired. My belief behind that is, is you can't admit to tanking, especially as being a head coach or not even a head coach. The head coach never wants to tank. Uh, coaches or GMs or not, you know, uh, owners, you can't admit to tank. But the best way to do it is just hire Adam Gase and just put him, put him as your head coach, you know, allow him to speak and then allow him to, you know, just fail to be a leader and then, and then, you know, he'll go out there and he'll lose football games for you. So 
Gay said to the result of his firing, he goes, and I quote, I just felt like that was the best move for our team going forward. Can you just imagine being fired by Adam Gase? <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I hope it doesn't tarnish his uh, Greg Williams' respect around the league. But I don't think Williams could look Gase in the eye seriously after being fired. I could barely look at Gase. In those googly practice. eyes. In those googly eyes, as we like to call them. <laughs> Uh, just, um, just a mess. Um, so intern defensive coordinator Frank Bush will be taking over at the DC position. Um, this is Bush's 29th season in the NFL. Um, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see how he performs. Um, it's gonna be, you know, an interesting four games. Uh, but hopefully, in four weeks after that Patriots game, you know, Adam Gase is fired, and from there on, the hunting search can begin. Yeah, the Jets have the Seahawks, then the Rams then the Browns, then the Patriots. So I feel like the only win game that would be competitive is, quite frankly, the Patriots game, unless Cam Newton falls out. Dude, I'm nervous as hell for the Patriots game. I mean, <laughs> Imagine I saying that a year ago. I could totally see a scenario where, you know, Bill Belichick is just shaking his head about having to face uh, Trevor Lawrence twice a year, and he's like, you know what, Jared Stenham, you're in. Come on, you're time to shine, bud. And just puts in Jared Sennum, sits uh, Cam Newton. But um, I'm hoping for the Patriots to win. I mean, I want them. They have to win out to make the playoffs. So I'm hoping they get some wins so that that game is more meaningful week 17. Um, I just hear I, I just, a Jets fan man, say they're rooting for the Patriots. Dude, at this point, at this point, I don't want anything compromising T-Law. I mean, like, that, that's what I'm thinking. Like, yes, it is so unfortunate that I'm rooting and I'm, and I'm happy for, my, for losses on Sundays. I agree. I agree with everyone out there that is shaking their head. I understand. It's ridiculous the world we live in today. But, like, it, why? Why, would it, why should we win now? Why? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. The only positive thing that I saw was Darnold Stockton went up. He, uh, his QBR was 97.4. The best has been all season. He had 186 yards and two TDs. So, the poll on our Instagram said that Donald will get a second-round pick, and maybe that stands now after this performance. But we'll have to see these last few weeks how they go for him. Yeah, it's going um, to be interesting because, you know, in our next section, we're going to be talking about, you know, Jalen Hurts, and we're going to get into that very, very soon. Yeah. But um, we could potentially have quarterbacks in the market such as a Carson Wentz. So I think that that may drop Sam's value, considering uh, that most agents are going to be going out after him. Um, but – you're right. You know, he played a good game. He had two touchdowns, uh, one running in. Uh, I was nervous for him. I thought he was going to, you know, injure himself there, lowering his shoulder like he's Derrick Henry. But, um, you know, he's playing pretty well. But then again, he, you know, dropped, you know, Cleveland Farrell came around the corner and uh, strip-sacked uh, Sam Darnold. And um, that's two loss of possessions right there and one interception. You know, he was – he had a – he had a Perryman on a post route, little post route, 10-yard turnaround. And uh, he went to go hit him, 50-50 ball, corner turned around, read his eyes, interception. Same faulty mistakes by Sam Darnold. And it just shows that the Jets failed to, you know, play to, to you know, perfect him. And um, it's, there's, it makes no sense to put him through his, his um, third offensive uh, system in four years. And it seems like it's going to be a fire sale for the, the Jets this offseason. And, um, you know, it's time for him to move on and find his new home. Yeah, under a different squad, I feel like Darnold will do so much better. And it's not like Darnold had Bell. He had Crowder, has Mims. Denzel Mims, yep. Yep, he still, you know, he arguably has more weapons than Carson Wentz. So 
Yeah, that is a good argument. I mean, I think Bell has declined, believe it or not. I think the Jets are getting a lot more talent out of a Ty Johnson, out of, a, uh, out of an Adams that they have. Um, they played amazing, amazing games um, mm-hmm. without Frank Gore, which is great. I love to see the youth perform. I love to see these players go out there and, and you know, see. It's an audition year. It's basically like us playing preseason games. It's a great opportunity for, um, for uh, Joe Douglas to understand who is our future and who's not. We could get into that in another podcast going forward. I feel like that would be a good section to talk about for both the Giants and the Jets. Mm-hmm. But um, that's a good argument. You know, Carson Wentz um, and, uh, you know, what options he had compared to Sam Darnold and what he had in New York. Um, you know, a lot of people forget that they had a great slot receiver in uh, Crowder. Mims, who is averaging 40-plus, 60-plus, 40-plus uh, yards a game, but he's not getting targeted at all. I'd like to see him get more targets. Um, and then you got Perryman, who, you know, was one of the best players, uh, best receivers in NFL football last year within the last four games um, of the season. So he had a lot of talent surrounding him. It's just, it's just the coach that failed him. And I think that there's a lot of issues that remain inside Sam Donald that need to be fixed on his end. You know, there's a lot of reads that are wide open that he's not seeing. Um, I continuously watch this, this team and I see Donald and I'm seeing a wide open player like I'm seeing like Perryman on a post route all the way deep down for wide open touchdown he doesn't even look to hit him he just throws it into double coverage interception and like that's a problem like you've been in this league for three years and that's a severe problem I mean Daniel Jones is doing a much better job with his progressions he's reading the field much better he's giving the ball where it needs to be and Sam Darnold is he I think that the Jets shattered his confidence here and that's why I it's not even for the Jets sweepstakes of Trevor it's Trevor Lawrence it's like the betterment for him to save his future because he's not his rookie year he played better he's he, he doesn't he has no confidence in his deep ball and that concerns me um and and there's a lot of problems there yeah I'd like to say that the Raiders win against the Jets shouldn't be celebrated that much for them as the Jets have been trying to lose and that I bet Jets fans are happier than Raiders fans right now just saying for sure, dude. I mean, like I said, uh, just put things into perspective. This is going to be the last thing that I say, and then we're going to talk about the next section. But, like, put, this, put things into uh, perspective real quick. Um, the Jets win this game, right? We're 1-11. All right. We're not one of the worst three teams in NFL history. Okay. But we're now not the first overall pick, you know? And, like, now we're recruiting. Now we're looking at other quarterbacks, you know? Like, it's like – it's just it doesn't make sense. And it's almost like a win for Adam Gase is an is a FU to this organization. That's his way of saying FU. I have, and, I have one more question for you. Go for it. Um, so you know how the NBA has a lottery system. Do you ever see like the NFL implementing that to stop the, like the Jets right now? Because you could clearly like have an argument that they lost on purpose this game to get that first pick. Yeah, I think that the – firing of greg williams just automatically eliminates uh the tanking the tanking uh from the jets uh, front office um you know that that kind of indicates that like it's unacceptable and like i'll tell you right now like as i said before that game revealed their these personnel status gase is anti-tank um you know christopher johnson i don't know he's probably anti-tank i mean he doesn't want his team to lose he never wanted this situation in the first place he wanted to see donald do good I think that with the firing of um, Greg Williams, that's not deemed to be, even though our record speaks for itself. And if um, Roger Goodell were to implement that draft lottery, I think that that would probably be one of his worst 
decisions as a commissioner because the football is a completely different game. Like playing football is a completely different game than basketball. Basketball, you have five people on the court uh, on your team wearing your jerseys and one player can lead you to the finals. And football, you know, you need, you have 11 people on, on the field and, you know, one, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you get like a premier player at their position, it's going to help your team. It's not going to lead you to the playoffs. Um, unless if it's a quarterback or an edge rusher, someone that's very premier and, you know, your team is coming off of injuries like the, uh, what's it called? The San Francisco 49ers the year before. Yeah, no, but, um, I agree. Yeah. I agree. The NBA is more of a one person driven game. So that's why they have that system in place. The NFL, the worst record should get the first pick simply just because that's how it's been. That could be tra- tradition uh, influencing me, but the Jets will get the first pick if they keep losing, and I think they will keep losing. So Hertz is named the starter for Week 14, and uh, after Carson once continued to struggle against Green Bay with a 40% completion percentage, he threw for 79 yards and totaled up a QBR of 57.4. He had no interceptions on the night and no touchdowns, and after his performance, benched, uh, once was benched by Doug Peterson, and Jalen Hurts was called in during the third quarter. So Jalen Hurts, the 53rd overall pick of the 2020 draft. You know, when the Eagles made this pick, it was very confusing. You know, we I thought they were all in on Wentz. I think many other people thought they were all in on Wentz. Why would they draft, you know, a Heisman award-winning Jalen Hurts? Yeah. I don't think well, people questioned if he was a quarterback or not. And that's why he went so late, even though he put up the big numbers in Oklahoma. I think it was his injury. I think it was his injury. I think – I think that was earlier on in in his tenure with the um with the with the Sooners, but I think that like his injury that he suffered was something that they were concerned about because obviously he's a Heisman winning, uh, you know, quarterback, and um, he he kind of showed that he can play at the quarterback position. Yeah, it hurts. It wasn't the game saver of the game against the Packers, but he did score a touchdown. Uh, was four for 12, 109 yards, five and ran 29 yards for five, on five carries. Uh, went only three for 79 yards in the first half. So it's interesting to see Hertz, you know, being named the starter for next week. So the Eagles are three and eight, third in the NFC East. So it looks like this is just an evaluation season, especially at the QB position. Jared, do you want to go into the receiving core and their options on offense? Yeah, as I mentioned before, I felt like the Jets had better options than the Eagles. This is what the Eagles have to work with right now. They have Dallas Goddard, Greg Ward, Jalen Rigor, an injury-plagued Zach Ertz, and Alshon Jeffrey, who's aging and who only got one target Sunday. I don't know if I should say this is Wentz's fault or the Eagles' fault, even though Wentz has definitely regressed over the year. He doesn't really have much help. The Eagles had an opportunity to draft DK Metcalf, who many say, um, according to our Instagram poll, is overrated, and I might agree with that. But other than that, they haven't supplied Wentz with what he needs. Miles Sanders, supposed to be his really good running back, didn't really do have an impact on the last night's game. So, Yeah, I think that um, the Wentz era has probably come to an end. I mean, it depends how um, – it depends how Hurts uh, continues his, you know, last month of football here. Um, and Hertz played pretty good. He threw one interception, but you know he seemed like he was commanding his offense pretty well. He uh, made a couple nice plays. Packers are just a great team, um, so I, there's no surprise that he wasn't able to win there. But 
I don't know. It's, all signs are indicating that um, Philly is kind of moving away from from this one's uh, era, and it's sad. I mean, you see what the league, what like injuries have done to quarterbacks such as Andrew Luck, and it might be the same conversation here with um, with Carson Wentz. And I personally believe. I know this might be something crazy, but I didn't. I don't know. I, I kind of felt like Nick Foles was more of a like more better option for the Eagles moving forward than a Carson Wentz after that Super Bowl. I mean. Yes, Carson once did, you know, secure home playoff advantage, uh, winning the division that year, and put uh, eventually Nick Foles up for success. But what you have a player that comes out and wins a Super Bowl for your team and capitalizes in a moment, it makes me question: Would Carson once be able to do that? Yeah, and that even season, though- Carson once I thought for sure was going to be the MVP until he got hurt, and then Nick Foles stepped in, and since then. Once has been a shell of that season, I believe. The Eagles have gone to the playoffs these last, the last two seasons since that Super Bowl win. The year after that, they, the Super Bowl, Nick Foles was their starter again in the playoffs. And he almost works the magic. So is this Carson Wentz's fault or is this the Eagles' fault? You know, Wentz, I believe, has all the tools of a great quarterback. He showed that in that season that I said he got hurt. But overall... It's him. He's not making the right throws. I think that he Jalen Hurts will step in. You know, he will do better than once this year based on, like, his college alone. Once can bounce back. I think he just needs to change the scenery. It might be the Philadelphia media, even though I believe once is a tough, tough athlete. And once I feel like, probably doesn't just lead well. That's what happened with Foles. Foles galvanized the troops. I think he was obviously a better leader than Wentz. And once hasn't held on to what Foles left behind. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys saw, but it was kind of going everywhere viral on Instagram. Um, it was in Philadelphia. It was like it's got to be in some like mo- like Models or Dick's store. Um, it was like Carson Wentz jerseys being sold for fifty percent off. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just funny. It, I mean, it's not funny for Carson Wentz and his family, but uh, it's just it's just it was a funny thing going around on the internet. But um. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I, I mean, I think that it's kind of similar to a Sam Darnold situation. It uh, it might be better for him to go elsewhere, uh, you know, say goodbye, leave. I think that, you know, all signs are pointing that Doug Peterson and, you know, the Eagles are trying to start fresh. Uh, this was kind of, you know, Carson Wentz's prove-it deal. He's been struggling to really solidify his name consistently uh, and reserve his quarterback position since that MVP caliber season. And uh, unfortunately, I think injuries got the best of him. But to answer the question that you just answered and that I asked, um, I think that, you know, this this probably is Carson Wentz's fault. I mean, at the end of the day, he's the one that's making decisions with the football. Obviously, the the talent may not be surrounding him, but, um, but you know, he's thrown 15 interceptions so far this season, um, you know, and only 16 touchdowns. Last week on the podcast, I know I mentioned how Peterson on the Jets with Trevor Lawrence would be a match made in heaven. But I think personally now the Eagles are going to look and hang on to Peterson. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. He was the one who had the guts to call the Philly special. And we could see what he does with Hurts. You know, it's a whole new different quarterback, one who's more mobile than Wentz, even though Wentz is mobile himself. But you saw Jalen Hurts had. Five carries of 29 yards. Once had no rushes. So it's a whole new system. The Eagles aren't going to make the playoffs this season. But as you said, this is an evaluation time for Jalen Hurts. And then 
at the end of the season, they have decisions to make. Do they, it's one of those like things you see on Instagram, uh, start bench cut, you know, who are you going to cut? Who are you going to start? Are you looking to trade someone and looking to draft another person maybe late in the round? So the Eagles are going to have a top eight pick, top five pick, maybe we'll see. Um, personally, once could have been the face of the Eagles. He just wasn't, didn't put in the work, maybe it was injuries, but he looks like a different quarterback now. I'm not scared to face a Carson Wentz Eagles now, and I think I was last year. Yeah, I think a lot has changed uh, with the energy inside that locker room, um, you know, especially making a transition from what Eagles fans were 100% sure on with him being in the future and we're okay with letting Nick Foles leave. Um, I think that they've been scratching their heads and thinking otherwise. Uh, that's an interesting statement with what you said about, the, you know, facing Carson Wentz. I know I was very excited to have uh, the idea, entertaining the idea of Doug Peterson joining the Jets. But I would like to say that I don't know if that's necessarily the best decision going forward. I mean, I think that the college route for the New York Jets might be the best idea. I mean, recently there was some breaking news saying that Bill Cowher um, potentially might want to come out of retirement and coach for the New York Jets. And if I were to settle with any, you know, experienced head coach in this league would probably be Bill Cowher uh, due to his, you know, historic coaching abilities for the Steelers winning two Super Bowls last in 2005 against the Seattle Seahawks. So, I mean, Doug Peterson, I mean, it's a, it's questionable. It's a 50, 50 ball, whether or not if he's going to be back with uh, Philadelphia and uh, you know, Philadelphia may want to just clear the house, kind of do what the Jets are doing, you know, you know, evaluate Hertz, see if he's the answer. And if they aren't, maybe trade up, secure, you know, a Justin Fields or, you know, anyone else in the draft that might seem attractive to them. But, um, you know, and sometimes a quarterback, you know, with the new quarterback comes a new head coach. So we'll see what the Eagles are going to do. But it, it really, it seems like once his time's up. If I'm an Eagles fan and I had to spend two top first picks in the past, like, six years on a quarterback, then – you'd be scratching your head about what happened to this organization. The only positive thing is that Super Bowl win. And that they could have that Super Bowl win and use it as like an example of like, we were doing the right thing, it just didn't work out. So I honestly believe Wentz will not be on the team next year. I feel like teams are going to look for him more than Sam Darnold. And what do you think about that? Do you think Wentz will be on the squad next year or no? No, I mean, I, I think that, you know, moving away, like this was once his team, you know, this was his team pre-injury. It was his team post-injury. He wasn't able to perform. I mean, people can say the same thing to Sam Darnold. The argument is there with Sam Darnold. Was he able to succeed or was the talent allowing to him to succeed? And if you look at um, the difference between Sam Darnold and the difference between, between Carson Wentz is that Carson Wentz has had that MVP caliber year and Sam Darnold failed to do that. Um, so I think that, you know, Carson Wentz is a more attractive option going forward for a win now team for a win now team, but for the longevity of a team, um, that's looking to, you know, put invest all their chips in one basket, uh, Sam Darnold might be a better option. Um, just the idea of benching Carson Wentz just tells me that he's going to be gone. I mean, you can get decent trade value for him, not having him not finish off the season is, you know, preserving his body, it's, you know, allowing him to just rest up and focus on for the offseason. So um, I don't think that he's the answer in Philadelphia. It'll be up to, to talent evaluators to see if it's Carson Wentz's fault or the system that he's in to see if they want to bring him in on the squad. I see a good spot for Wentz to be the 49ers. He'll do great there, I believe. 
or even the Jags they can get. I know the Jags have tried constantly to get their quarterback. They tried Nick Foles, didn't work out. But the Jags, the Jags are going to Jags. And if they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence, maybe they do something to try to get Carson Wentz. I mean, I, I think that the Jags are are probably going to settle with Justin Fields. And settling with Justin Fields is a treat. That's not anything to complain about. Um, he's a generational talent in himself. Um, plus, if this Jacksonville Jaguars team is trying to build it up from the ground up, they may not want that regressing Carson Wentz with that contract of his. Um, so, I don't know. A team for Carson Wentz, it depends. It all depends on the attitude of the, of the uh, coaching how about and how about the Saints? Want. Yeah, I was just thinking the Saints. I mean, obviously Carson Wentz might be better for than a Sam Darnold at that position. Um, if especially if they're trying to do a win now because their defense is nice. They got options on offense. Alvin Kamara. They got um. They got Michael, Michael Thomas. Thomas. Um, but Jared Cook. Uh, I mean, dude, Taysom Hill is lighting it up. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like they're not even discussing. I wouldn't it. say he's lighting it up. He's just he's able to make touchdown passes now. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> One last thing I wanted to give credit to the Bills for putting on a show. Josh Allen looks like the real deal, totaling up four touchdowns last night against the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, Stephon Diggs is really what this Bills offense needed. They are a scary team in the AFC and are arguably better than the Steelers. Bills Mafia, keep smashing them tables and just be you, baby. Yeah, we'll have to see if that's true this Sunday when the Pittsburgh Steelers play the Buffalo Bills. But with that being said, thank you all for listening. Follow on our socials at nyflyzone on instagram and twitter yes, and please, please subscribe to us on spotify and apple Podcasts, and also leave a review and rating and yeah so we'll see you next time peace peace thank you this has been the ny fly zone podcast we drop every wednesday on spotify and apple music follow us on instagram at ny fly zone what's poppin Who you brand new whip just hopped in I got options, I can pass that bitch like Stockton Just joshing, I'ma spend this holiday locked in My body got rid of them toxins Sports in the top 10